Hello and welcome to another episode um, of the In Conversation with eClinical Medicine podcast. I am Arianna Colosio, deputy editor at eClinical Medicine. And uh, this month, I'm delighted to be joined uh, by Dr. Helena Teed uh, and Dr. Mariam Musa from the Monash Center for Health Research and Implementation uh, School of Public Health at the Monash University in Melbourne, Australia whose uh, new research on advancing women in healthcare leadership was published in our issue um, this month. Um, so Dr. Uh, Tid and Dr. Musa, uh, Helena and Mariam, thank you for joining us and, um, and welcome to the podcast. So first of all, our listeners might be interested um, to hear um, how did you decide on this particular area of research? Like what, what was your main driver? I'm a clinician. I've been working in uh, clinical medicine for 30 years and I'm also an academic uh, and now a professor of women's health and public health. And there were many challenges during my career journey. And around um, probably 20 years ago, I had the fortune to undertake a leadership development program, which is not a standard thing in medicine. It was an executive MBA program. And one of the things I was astounded by is how little leadership we are actually taught and how much leadership skills we're assumed to have simply because we are doctors or we're in a healthcare um, professional field. Um, and as a result of that, I started a leadership development program for younger doctors and then uh, morphed that into a program for young women in healthcare and academia. And over the last seven years, I've been involved in progressing that program through hundreds of women, but also working with my organisation, which is the largest health service in the country, to change the culture and improve the opportunities for women, not just at an individual level, but at an organisational level. However, that was just one organisation and progress was slow and we were not always sure we were doing the right thing. So in the context of personal experience and then sharing the personal experiences of so many other women, uh, we decided to partake on a journey that was about research and evidence-based implementation and change the time was right, the government policies were changing, there was a strong appetite for this. And so our whole body of research, which is a large international partnership with Australia and the UK, started on this journey around organisational change to advance women in healthcare and academic leadership. And this very important work that was just published, led by Marion Musa, um, was the critical underpinning in terms of evidence to inform what we'll do in the rest of the project. Marion, perhaps you'd like to outline the driver in this particular body of work. Thank you, Helena. Um, I guess one of the, the, the most important things that um, led us to where we are today with the study is that th there's been a huge onus of responsibility placed on individual women to advance themselves and um, their careers, um, which is essentially built on the assumption that they are operating within a fair and equitable um, system that meets their needs um, and where uh, there's, uh, you know, that level playing field that everyone talks about. In principle, that should be the case, but we know that it's not. We know that organizations have the right intentions and we know that the dialogue has changed. So it's not so much about um, this explicit uh, exclusion of women, rather it's about that implicit and often unintentional barriers that are embedded within organizational structures and functions that hinder the success uh, of interventions that are designed to support 
women and improve uh, uh, career opportunities for them. Um, so this study was uh, the first step, like Helena um, mentioned, uh, and it uh, was about collecting a comprehensive evidence synthesis of what works um, at an organizational level and developing a one-stop shop, if you will, that helps facilitate the right discussions on what organizations um, could and should be doing, uh, while also informing the rest of uh, the, the, the research project that, that we're working on. Okay, brilliant. Thanks. And uh, perhaps you touch, Mariam, a bit on that, what um, re more related to your um, study specifically. Um, could you please describe to the listeners um, what were um, the main aims and, and the key findings of your research? Yes. Um, so uh, a while ago, our aim was set out uh, to explore research from the last 20 years across industries, some of which um, have made actually quite big inroads for, for women's equality, more so than in healthcare. Um, so think, uh, you know, the business sector, finance, um, and so on. I myself have uh, a background as an organizational psychologist working in uh, the corporate sector, um, and, and the environment was quite different over there. And so we wanted to know what works and what were the outcomes of successful interventions um, at the organizational or company level, uh, what were the measures that were used, uh, and, and are we able to synthesize them in a way that makes sense. And we started with thousands of studies uh, and we landed on a synthesis of high quality outcomes um, from hundreds of interventions that showed promise for both the short and long term um, outcomes uh, for advancing women in leadership. And so we're in the process of translating uh, these uh, for the health sector at the moment. So uh, in our study, we provide uh, readers with a easy to use and digestible summary uh, synthesis that organizes these interventions into five uh, overarching categories. Uh, the first and biggest uh, category covers organizational processes, including policies and, and practices that enhance gender equity for women uh, within organizations. The, the second category is about the culture of the organization and strategies that build workforce engagement and awareness uh, by reducing resistance and building support for an inclusive culture. The third category is about what constitutes successful mentoring approaches for women, as well as network dynamics. Um, and I use that, that word constitutes on purpose, because on some level, we all know that we need to get mentoring, but this talks about what successful mentoring looks like from an interventional perspective. And the fourth category is about best outcomes for leadership training and development interventions with a focus on content design and delivery of the intervention. Finally, the last category is about organizational support tools that aid in the measurement, evaluation, and reporting of outcomes related to interventional success. I guess the key takeaway message here though is that organizations seeking to facilitate effective and evidence-based change need to move away from piecemeal approaches um, and consider these five categories uh, that list all the interventions together with leadership commitment and accountability. 
Yeah, you mentioned in your study that you were um, able to identify different categories of organizational interventions, um, such as mentoring and networking, for example, um, to enable women to reach their career goals. Um, I was wondering how um, can this lead to, to changes in practice? I'll start and then we'll um, hand over to you. So the thing about organizational interventions, as Mariam's mentioned, um, is that there were a group of them that would work, but it was really about strong commitment of the organisation, as we've talked about. But mentoring and networking was really important. And the, and the critical thing there is that the Native women generally is different uh, to our male colleagues. So we network differently. We don't necessarily play golf and have drinks after dinner and build relationships and rapport in that way. Uh, indeed, networking is much more... Um, within hours because of the, often the family challenges and other demands that we have and we network quite differently. Um, likewise, mentoring is quite important because there are some, there's some really good evidence that women uh, don't necessarily have the confidence to aspire to and apply for leadership roles. Part of this is they don't necessarily see the role models or people like themselves in those positions, but often they still lack the confidence to apply And for women, mentoring is often a really important way of highlighting to younger women and to our peers that, in fact, they do have the capability and confidence to take these roles. And, in fact, they can um, influence, impact and lead quite effectively. And mentoring in that context can be very powerful. Uh, and there's really quite good evidence around that. There's also good evidence that um, male mentors for many women are also um, really strong and, and can be quite empowering. And so, in essence, we know it works. And as Mariam said, the, the issue here is how do we implement it at an organisational level? And Mariam, you might want to talk about that role of the organisation. Mm, and, and I think uh, that that was a real key emphasis in, in this study is the role of organizations in facilitating change for women um, and, and sort of using the interventions that are within those five categories to um, enable better decision-making uh, in, in a way that enables women to attain their career goals. And so it creates this alignment between how uh, leadership within organizations um, formulate uh, opinions, make decisions around uh, their action goals. Um, and a great example of that, which, which Helena um, can, can add to is uh, now in uh, Australia, this is being put into practice with one, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Helena, but one of the biggest public health hospitals in the country um, is in the process of developing a gender equity action plan to meet the requirements of a new legislation, uh, Gender Equality Act, which was introduced last year in March. Um, and so we're working very closely with that hospital, uh, they're called Monash Health, in using the outcomes of the study to directly inform their action plan over the next four years. And so it's a very practical way of um, knowing what kind of strategies do we need to put in place? What are you already doing? Um, and, and what are you uh, not doing uh, in a way that is systematic, uh, evidence-based, um, and, and um, has shown good outcomes? Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much both. Um, I have a final question um, and uh, this would be in terms of um, increasing leadership opportunities um, for women. 
Um, what approaches would you like to see initiated um, to reach this goal in the short term? Thanks, Ariana. So the national project we alluded to, which this research underpins, is a large-scale uh, partnership between government at a, a state and federal level, between industri industrial bodies in healthcare, between professional societies that also provide training. Uh, they've all come together with major leading health services and have co-developed what needs to happen to reach this goal. Whilst Mariam has uh, given the example of Monash Health, which is actually a network of seven hospitals that cover um, around 1.5 million population. There are multiple other health services that are part of this. There are multiple professional colleges, multiple other um, groups who've come together. And also this work is being um, expanded to the UK where they have a, a slightly different focus primarily on nursing. But in essence, what, what we would need to do is bring all of these groups together, use this evidence to underpin um, an implementation plan, assist them to adapt it to their context and their workforce and enable them to really have a strong leadership commitment. What we know is that an organisation will not succeed if they simply have a gender equity plan that is not that is on their website or perhaps even not on their website, but they don't really live and breathe it. The leadership must commit to it and be quite transparent around the program of work to achieve gender equity and advance women in leadership. And then look at implementing these different effective interventions under that organisational wide program to change the culture. And in fact, the exciting thing here is not just the scale of the project and the rapid pace at which it's unfolding, but also the work that Mariam's involved in now, which is a, a meta ethnography of the studies that have been um, highlighted in this current paper. And here we're not so much looking at the what an organisation needs to do, but the how it needs to do it. And then taking that evidence into actually implementation on the ground, extracting the implementation learnings and essentially coming up with a toolkit that any organisation can pick up, work with their stakeholders internally, commit to at a leadership level, co-produce from a grassroots up and actually deliver meaningful change in a fairly short period of time. Thank you. Thank you so much um, both. Um, for, uh, for, for this and for the time that you've given us um, today. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation with um, the Clinical Medicine Podcast.